Hello, my name is Alexander Ferrer, and I'm the Education Coordinator at Youth Employment Services. My name is Maureen Morrison, and I'm an Employment Facilitator with Youth Employment Services. And you are listening to The Job Pop with Youth Employment Services. Today, we will be talking about using positive and professional communication in the workplace. Now, this is one of my favorite topics, and we'll just kind of quickly introduce you to what we mean by that. So, Alexander, can you tell us what does positive and professional communication sound like? What what does that mean? Positive language is talking about things in a appealing manner that does not make your coworkers or customers feel uncomfortable. Professional language is conveying the way you'd speak in a professional manner, meaning that it's formal. We're really talking about formal language. And we'll talk more about formal language later, but we'll kind of start with talking about positive and affirmative language. And throughout this, you'll kind of see how these really go hand in hand, you know, often to be positive and professional mean really similar things. So one thing, and this is part of a workshop series that I normally do, and this is part of the workshop on workplace communication, is a worksheet on using positive language. And so what it is, is on one side, we've got neutral or negative terms. And then on the other side, we get people to fill in the positive ones. So today, we're just going to do a mini version of it. I'm not going to go through the whole worksheet. But I'm going to give a couple of neutral negative terms, give some examples of how I would switch those into positives, and then I'm going to give some to Alexander to do. If you're interested in doing the whole worksheet and having that more practice, you can always get in touch with us and we can pass it along. But today we'll just go through a few of them. So the very first one, and this is kind of the most obvious one there is, is the word no. So sometimes this word can't be avoided and I want to acknowledge that. But in most situations, it can be and you can figure a different way to kind of convey that no that's more positive. So for a context where someone is potentially asking you to do something or asking for feedback on an idea, you can say, how about blah, 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 or I think that blah, blah, blah. And so that way, instead of just shutting the conversation right down, you're actually giving that feedback and continuing the conversation on, which just makes you more enjoyable to communicate with, right? If someone is always getting just the word no from you, they're probably not going to want to talk with you much because the conversations won't be very good or the feedback won't be very good. Uh, People want to communicate with people who will communicate back with them. You don't just want to be shutting conversations down. So anytime you're about to use the word no, just take a moment to pause and think, is there any other way I could frame this that would help the conversation keep going? But like I said before, sometimes you have to say no and that's okay. Uh, There's definitely cases in which that is the appropriate response, but it's not something you want to overuse. Another one is you should clean the floor. And so that is one where that's not necessarily a negative sentence, right? There's no negative words in there, but it is kind of demanding and it's a little bit aggressive. And so this is one where if I were saying that to someone, instead I might say, can you clean the floor or can you please clean the floor? And that just makes it a little nicer for them to hear 
And again, this is all about people wanting to work with you and wanting to communicate with you. So if they think of you as someone who asks nicely and says please and thank you, they're going to be more willing and wanting to communicate with you and enjoy working with you. All right, so Alexander, I'm going to toss a few at you. So one of the ones I'm going to do first is just do it. What would you say instead? I would formulate that instead of saying just do it into more of a question. Give people options of what they should do. Do you think you could do this right now? And you could explain why they have to do it. If you're just demanding and giving no reason, that's not very positive. So giving them an option, asking them is -hmm. what I would do. Absolutely. Giving them a little autonomy is very, very important. Okay. Another one is what's your problem? What's my problem? I wouldn't like that. (laughs) What's your problem sounds very negative to me. It seems kind of you're accusing me. Would you mean that necessarily? No, you're not trying to be accusative. So instead you would say, what seems to be the problem? How can I help your solution today? That sounds a lot better for me. Yeah, and it takes it away from blaming the other person and puts the onus more onto you as to how can I help or how can I be part of the solution? And the last thing I'm going to throw at you is, I can't clean that up right now. If I heard I can't clean it up right now without any explanation why, I wouldn't feel very happy. So instead, formulate it, say, I can't clean this up right now because, and tell the reason why you can't clean it up right now. Put some explanation into it. And something that I like to do as well is kind of say, I can't clean that up right now, but when I'm done this task, I will be able to. And so instead of it just shutting it down and kind of saying, nope, not going to do it, you're saying, you know what, that's not possible at this moment, but I will get to that as soon as I can. And that is definitely a situation that I've been in before where I've been in the middle of doing something and my supervisor has come up and said, hey, you know, there's a spill on the floor in the dining room area. I need you to deal with that. And I'll say, you know what, I'm actually in the middle of making an order right now for a customer, but as soon as I'm done, I will go clean that up. Thanks for letting me know. And so that kind of explains why I'm not going to drop what I'm doing at that moment, but it lets them know that it's on my radar and I'm going to deal with it and they can trust that I'm going to deal with it as soon as I can. So those are just a few different ways. Like I said before, this is part of a larger worksheet. So if that's something you're interested in, you can always get in touch with us. But we'll move on now to the concept of knowing your audience. So Alexander, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Whenever you're in the workplace, you have to... Think about how you develop these relationships with your coworkers. Once you've developed relationships with your coworkers, you'll have a better idea of what's appropriate and what context you should be more or less professional. It's because you want to work with someone doesn't mean that they're all your friends and they have all the same expectations about what you do and the communication. Some coworkers might feel uncomfortable, for instance, if you're swearing. So you have a story about that, don't you, Maura, about swearing in the workplace? So one of my first kind of formal work or volunteer experiences was I, in the ninth grade, started volunteering with a youth drop-in center, and the youth were aged like 5 to 12, so they were quite young. And at that time, obviously, I couldn't swear in the workplace. And that isn't to say that I was swearing a ton in my personal life. But, you know, it, it was it was honestly part of my, my language and how I would speak with friends sometimes. And I would just 
really have to make sure that that no inappropriate language came out of my mouth. And that's not just swear words, but I just had to make sure that whatever I was saying was appropriate for especially the youngest ones, the five-year-olds that I was volunteering with. And I think that was a really good experience for me because I was 14, so I wasn't quite working yet, but I was starting to get into that that role of having those responsibilities of kind of caring for these youth and, and being part of the, the team that was overseeing and caring for the youth and, and having to act professionally and having that opportunity to volunteer. And that was, was so helpful for me in my development as someone who was then soon going to go look for a first job because it really gave me the opportunity to learn how to use that professional language, like with my kind of team of the people, the staff and the other volunteers there, as well as how to communicate with the children in a way that was appropriate as well. So I know that not everyone is is uh, someone who likes working with kids and, and that's okay. But I think especially for young people who are looking for volunteer opportunities, I think that's a really good avenue to go down if you need to learn and you need to practice kind of using positive and professional language is volunteering with youth will really kind of force you to do that <laughs> even if you you think you don't quite have the skill set there yet because it's it's just something you're going to have to learn if you're doing that because that is not going to fly in that kind of environment so let's talk about a little bit more about that especially in the workplace you know you don't want to be swearing or having really unprofessional language all the time and if you really love the job what would happen if your informal language turned into your formal language. This can happen. You know, when you go to work, it's not like you're a different person, especially if you love the work that you do. You can't just turn off yourself and turn on another self. That's really not good. So it's good that even in your in your personal life, try to think about being a little bit formal. I'm not telling you that you should call everybody, hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. I'm talking about that you really want to make sure that, you know, you're being respectful to everybody because especially in Winnipeg, it's a small town feeling in some ways. So let's say you're working with somebody or they're your friends and then they become your coworker. Well, they might have a bad impression with you. So it's really good to just show that, you know, respectful all the time if you can. And there's also a few things in terms of formal and informal language. Again, this is part of the workshop booklets that I have, but using certain words like sorry versus apologize, right? Sorry is a little bit more of an informal, apologize is more formal, or get and receive gets a little more informal, receive is a little more formal. And so that's another workshop we have. If that's something that you're wanting to practice, we have that resource for you as well. You can just get in touch with us for it. And I also want to talk about listening, So listening is a huge part of being able to communicate both positively and professionally, because if you're not hearing what the people around you are saying, how are you going to respond to that appropriately? You don't want to be always saying to your boss, sorry, can you say that again? Because they're going to think that you're not listening to them or even to your coworkers or to customers. So you always want to make sure that you are practicing your listening skills, being a good listener is part of being a good communicator. And it's an active skill set that you do need to practice. It's not just something that you are going to be good at without any work. So here's a few statements that I'm going to say out loud. And I want you to think, are these something that are 
accurate for you? Or is this something that's not accurate for you? Is it true? Or is it not true? And at the end, I'll kind of explain a little bit more about that. But just while I'm talking, listen to these and just just think about, do these apply to me or not? So the first one is I interrupt people when they are speaking. I talk more than I listen in a conversation. I don't give my full attention to people while they are speaking. I have trouble remembering what people have said to me. I think about what I'm going to say while the other person is speaking. I don't confirm or clarify what the other person has said. I don't acknowledge the feelings that people express. I mentally argue with the person who is speaking. I am easily distracted by people's voice or appearance. I get distracted by what's happening around me when people are speaking. I stop listening if I don't agree with what the other person is saying. So if you were listening to those and things were mostly not true for you, then you're probably on the track to being a pretty good listener. If you were listening to those and a lot of those came up in something as your head as being accurate or true for you, then it sounds like that you have some work to do. And so that was kind of a guide to what not to do to be a good listener. So if you are wanting to see, again, a worksheet where those are on and you can kind of look a little bit more into those, we have that. But it's just really important to think about what skills you need to practice. So you can always go back and think about some of the ones that I said there that you thought, oh, yeah, that's definitely me. That might be an area that you should focus on working on in order to be a better listener. And then another part of communication is the nonverbal communication. So what's the deal with that, Alexander? Well, I think it's very important not just to actually listen, but to show that you're listening. So that's in your body posture. Maintain eye contact. I think we've talked about this in the past in these podcasts. It's really important to maintain eye contact with people because it shows that you're listening. Acknowledging what they say is something important too. If you if you square your shoulders, you sit up straight, you really show that you're paying attention. And at the same time, it's very professional. If you're slouching over, walking around work, slouching over, that might give somebody a bad impression. It's the same thing with the way you dress. It communicates something. The way you dress really communicates something. So it's really important. That's why people dress nice at work. You know, like even if it's a construction job, I'm not saying you want to wear a suit every day to a construction job, but at least you want to be clean before you even go to work to show that you're professional, you know, tucking your shirt, you know, and of course there's safety equipment that you have to wear as well. It communicates that, you know, I want to be here because a lot of times uh, most communication is actually nonverbal. So make sure you have a positive body language. And again, you can hear, you can learn a lot more about these, you know, which ways you can be positive with your language you know, through Morg's workshop. And so just to round this off, we'll talk a little bit about some tips we have. So this is kind of reiterating some of what we've already said. And just here are some really tangible things that you can think about to help you build rapport with coworkers and connection with the people you work with, while also making sure you do well at your job. So the first one is use eye contact. And this is something that I've mentioned in previous 
episodes as well. If making direct eye contact with people makes you uncomfortable, you're not alone. A lot of people are like that. As long as you're a few feet away from someone, you can actually take a look at their nose and they won't be able to tell that you're not looking right into their eyes. So that's something that you could work towards. If the idea of making eye contact is uncomfortable for you, that's okay. But make sure you're still looking at their face so that you're not looking in another total direction. You can also use meaningful gestures. So hand movement, facial expression. If I'm talking to Alexander and he's just got no facial expression on and he's just got a totally neutral face and is not reacting to anything I'm saying, I'm going to think he's not listening to me. So part of being a good communicator is not only using your facial expressions while you're speaking, but also responding with those as well. Alternating your voice tones is important. You don't want to be always monotone because no one's going to want to listen to you. <laughs> Ask questions. If you don't always understand something, it's okay to get clarification. Be open-minded. So don't go into communication with people ready to kind of shut down any ideas that come out. Take time. Silence isn't a bad thing. If you need a bit of time to process or you just need a little bit of silence in a conversation, that's totally okay. Have a desire to listen. So you always want to make sure that you actually want to hear what's being said to you. It'll make it a lot easier to really listen and, and comprehend the information that's being communicated. Summarize messages. So if someone's kind of giving you, say a customer is looking for something and they have a really specific idea of what they want, it's okay to kind of take everything they said and see if you can give a summary back to them and just check in and say, you know, am I understanding you correctly on that one? Be patient. That's a really important one. It's, it's sometimes hard, but it's something that we need to work on is being patient. Remove distractions. So don't have your phone in front of you all the time or, you know, have something that you're looking at while someone's speaking to you. Rephrase for understanding. So it's kind of similar to the summarizing, but if someone says something to you and you really want to make sure that you understood what they're saying, it's okay to rephrase that sentence and, and just check in and make sure that you're understanding correctly. Know when it's appropriate to use formal and informal language. So like I said, we have a worksheet on that that you can use those to practice. Know when it's best to talk to someone in person, text, call, or email. So different conversations best happen in different contexts sometimes. And it's important to kind of understand the context in which you're, you're talking to someone and know what the best method is there. Avoid gossiping. That's a really important one. You don't want to be known as a gossiper. Take time to clarify if you think there's been a misunderstanding and use verbal and nonverbal communication techniques together. So those are some of our basic tips to improve your workplace communication style and use positive and professional language. If that's something you'd like to speak more with us about, you can get in touch with us through yesmb.ca and from there you'll find our contact us page. You can get in touch with any one of our employment facilitators and we'd be happy to meet with you one-on-one -on -one to talk more about workplace communication or to provide you with some of the worksheets that we mentioned in today's podcast. Thanks for joining us on the job pod and we'll see you next time.